to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a person who loves elections. Really, I love elections. I love politics. I know it feels all sort of icky and chaotic right now, but politics is all about improving people's lives. That, that's how Paul Wellstone talked. And um, I, I experienced a really fun um, governor's forum um, on Thursday. This it was the same anniversary as the day of uh, Paul Wellstone's death. The uh, Governor's Forum was at the Minnesota Farmers Union, and uh, Tim Walls was there, um, and they were talking about the intersection of food, farming, and community wealth building. So for today's show, we're just going to play clips from the forum. So our first clip is the opening clip, and uh, welcome. Thank you to all the organizers, Gary. Thank you for all you do, and, and to each of you for taking time out to... Uh uh, to problem solve and to make our communities better. To each of the panelists up here, I look forward to, uh, to working with you. This is about uh, building strong communities, it's about collaboration, and it's about the opportunity to use our, uh, our electoral power to, uh, to impact lives in a positive way. So I'm grateful to be here with you. Look forward to the conversations and the, the questions that we'll address. So thank you. Thank you, Tim. Um, so I just wanted to say a couple words and then I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna ask you the first question, if that's cool. And so um, I, I feel like um, often, you know, I know that for all of us, we're living in really chaotic times, but throughout history, food has always brought people together. And that's really what the thesis of today's question is, is what is the intersection of food and farming and community wealth building? And to a greater extent, how do we lift up our families? How do we lift them up in ways that help everybody? So that we're helping both farmers and uh, families who may be experiencing food uh, food insecurity. What, are you, what could you do or how are you going to incentivize, incentivize farmers to build uh, top soil fertility? <coughs> Here's a good news story. In this farm bill, and I think it's going to get through the Senate one, uh, the Healthy Soils Act that we wrote, uh, that came out of work with the former chairman of the Agriculture Committee, Frank Lucas, a Republican from Oklahoma who believes in science. Um, he believes what we can do. It, it comes from the uh, Oklahoma State University that there's things that we have to do to make sure that we are uh, incentivizing, that we are not, again, it's our most one of our largest uh, exports by volume is our topsoil. That's not a good thing. And it, the reduction of that of trying to get a bank. It's going to be a combination of making sure that we're using best practices. It's a combination of working hand-in-hand -hand with the producers to make sure that they have the resources and the, the capacity to deliver. It's going to be innovation on how we use technology. I was uh, over at a company, I think it's called Centera. They're a drone company, but where they make their real bang for the buck is they have proprietary sensor data that uses four or five cameras that go in a, a huge spectrum of light. You can program those things in now where it will fly over a field and it will pick out a weed in the field. It can find the weed amongst them by flying the drone over that in a very short amount of time. It sends that data back to the tractor that then programs in GPS and goes out and sprays a weed or picks a weed. And one of the things is, is technology as farming practices, sustainability of cover crops, the things that we already know. Many of these practices on sustainability of topsoil actually go back to the beginning of farming when we were much more thoughtful about it in crop rotations. We were much more thoughtful in, in uh, cover crops. So we know that things have been being done for thousands of years that have worked. We can do that, but we can use the technology to also help. The biggest thing is that I, the, the good news story in this is um, there's pretty good consensus on this. That, that something has to be done. The advent of the Soils Act, the Healthy Soils Act, into the Farm Bill in a bipartisan manner is pretty stunning that, that it does incentivize and, and does the right thing. Congressman, I actually think we have one more question. Right. Is that okay? Sure. So our public institutions spend millions of dollars on food every year. Um, and what we what could you what could our public institutions do to offer more contracts or more opportunities for local farmers and food entrepreneurs, whether it's in the schools, in the county level, the city level, the jails, et cetera? What could they do? Yeah, I hear this all the time that it's very difficult for small and minority contractors to get uh, state business, that there's they, they put roadblocks in place. You know, it's just easier to contract on large scale because there's more work to it if you're trying to do subcontracts. We have to make an effort to do that. We, uh, we have to make sure that those very, we have to be the example of what we want. Some of the initiatives we have on uh, very, very aggressive carbon reductions for state government, uh, we need to lead by example. If we really are trying to get to, uh, to zero emissions, uh, the state needs to lead in that. And I think the same thing, if we truly believe that we want to move to local foods, then 
whether it be our corrections, our schools, or others, should be trying to do that. And I think that's something I'd really look forward to working with you on. The, the other thing is, and this has been a very interesting, last year before the Farm Bill, we had uh, 26 hearings or something. It was very short. They did that way. 22 of them were on SNAP. No one in there actually gave suggestions to eliminate it or reduce it like they did, even though they wrote that into the bill, but they were used as, just to be very honest with you, beat up on people who are struggling economically. That's And we always started those meetings with a prayer that the irony of that was really something. Um, <laughs> and I will have to say this is, uh, Colin Peterson did a very uh, Minnesota thing. He said, we pray in church in uh, Minnesota, and here we get to work on helping people. Um, and it was, was pretty powerful. Uh, but the one thing that we started to, that came out of this conversation was food waste and, uh, and how we talk about food labeling, how we talk about long-term sustainability on that, that again, as a nation, let's be very clear. There is enough food in this country to feed all of us in a big chunk of the world. It's getting it to the people that matter. It's making sure that it's closer to home than it matters. I heard some of you say when you go to the grocery store, 90% of you know what you're buying is, is being moved over 500 miles. Uh, that's adding to greenhouse gas emissions. That's adding to all the things that go with it. So I think the state, you know, be the change you want to see in the world mantra. The state needs to partner and, and make the effort to make sure that's happening. And, the, and that gives a lot of opportunities. If you can get a contract to provide yeah. fresh fruits and vegetables to the Stillwater Prison, that, that's a nice contract to have. And I, I did a little thing at, this, at the state fair where I were almost some of our local producers. That, that was the best thing, by the way. They do the, the food court thing there and, and, and did a conversation. And the gentleman who has the contract for the sweet corn, um, Man, what a gig. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw you there, so I thought it was my backhanded end, So, But I said how wonderful it was, and I said listening to that and seeing that and seeing the opportunity and hearing the humbleness but the thought that, you know what, we are really proud to have this. We're proud of the product. We're happy, proud of the state fair. I mean, why would that not be? Why would you not be able to provide all of the sweet corn to the Stillwater prison and, they would have, and, and some of the other things that in Minnesota can do so great well we're at the end um, we're at the end of our forum and um, before I give the congressman some opportunity just to say some last words I just want to recognize today is October 25th um, and it's a day where we lost a great senator who cared deeply about uh, poor people and immigrants and farmers and he always said uh, we all do better when we all do better and so um, congressman Walls, I was wondering if you could just reflect on some of the things you've heard and some of the questions and just give us some final remarks before I know you have to leave yeah. Well, thank you all, and uh, and I think it is appropriate that that we're on this day. And I uh, this morning, as I was saying, I pulled up a picture from the Pioneer Press that uh, that I sent to Dave Wellstone this morning, as we're dear friends, and, and reflected on this. And uh, this forum was set up a long time ago, and for us to be here. And I know so many in this room had the intersection with with Senator Wellstone. And I just came from a children's health care forum that the Children's Defense Fund in their annual letter and data on children starts out with the, the all we all do better when we all do better quote by, by Senator Wellstone so uh, it's no mistake I think the universe lines things for a reason over the last two hours this intersection on community of investing in our children of strength of local co-ops and local economic clout outside of the channels of uh, of large multinationals, if you will, not as a pejorative, but as another opportunity, as a way of strengthening that is critically important. Uh, I have known for many years the organizations that work in here, Farmers Union and others, uh, have been coming to D.C. and working hand-in-hand -hand as we write pieces of legislation. I think what I would tell you is that, uh, again, should, uh, should we be given the privilege of doing this job of governor, what will be different about this is, and I think what I'm deeply committed to is, is building these co-governing relationships where there is a sense of input from folks that is real, that they're there on the decision-making on the front end to get things done, that starts to have people once again believe that we can be and make that change we want to see. Um, and I think that's what many of you have been doing. I, it, it's appropriate probably on this day, and Senator Wellstone's uh, legacy is that we're still charging on on this. We're still trying to make it work. I. I have my daughter, a 17-year-old here, and I got a 12-year-old. Um, I'm telling people, get out there and vote for your future. Get out there and vote for things that happen. Um, I do think that uh, the crisis of the democracy you're seeing over the last several weeks and certainly the last couple days, um, but the crisis of our climate is real. 
We're going to have to adjust. The science is real. They're telling us this. The window is closing. A lot of the solutions set in this room, a lot of the solutions start with that most basic of human activities, growing food and feeding ourselves. Uh, the next one is, is making sure you have more adequate and clean water. They go hand in hand. Making sure you have safe communities where people can live out the lives they want to. All of those things are interconnected. So if we've learned anything, and uh, my partner in justice, Peggy Flanagan, always reminds me, people and children do not come in pieces, do not approach these problems in a silo, approach them holistically, and I think that's what we would like to do uh, with the folks in this room. We see this as a partnership. I don't come to you, as you said, and I appreciate you saying so. Uh, I don't claim to have the answers, but what I do know is, is in elected government, the capacity to be able to align resources and move things is immense. And if we take that and seize upon it, and, and I would just close with if this journey that I've been on and the privilege of, uh, of seeing, if I'd have lived to be 300 years old, I would have never seen Minnesota the way I've seen it, inside living rooms, in basements, on farms, in factories. Uh, it's, it's, it's showed me how deeply optimistic people still are. It's showing me how the potential to solve this is there. But I'll have to tell you this, that what it's taught me and probably moved me, because again, I'm very clear about this. Uh, I oftentimes talk about it when you're a, when you're a white man in Middle America, you tend to just land on your feet a lot. Somehow, that's amazing how that works. Um, what I've learned is is the sense of urgency for folks that's out there, and the fierce sense of now to change these things is real, and that there's a responsibility to take that landing on your feet or the things that come with that and turn that into action to change things, to turn that into a sense of urgent action. And I think right now, in a broken political system. People are hungry for that. The thing that I hear most to me in this is, wow, thank you for being optimistic and you know just not negative. I'm like, man, the bar has sure dropped. <laughs> doing that. But it is fundamental to how we get things done. So uh, I am very hopeful on that. I, I oftentimes do say after this journey of the last two years, uh, my pro tip of the day for you is, if you ever get a bad health diagnosis and have six months to live, run a statewide campaign that'll feel like 10 years. <laughs> so, thank you all for having me. This is Food Freedom Radio, and you're listening to uh, clips from the Governor's Forum held at the Minnesota Farmers Union on Thursday, October 25th. Congressman Tim Walz attended, and fellow gubernatorial candidate and Commissioner Jeff Johnson was invited, but his schedule did not allow to attend him. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. 
Join Seward Community Co-op for their annual owner meeting, featuring a dinner and presentation by Sean Sherman of the Sioux Chef, who works to make indigenous foods more accessible. Attend this year's annual owner meeting Tuesday, October 30th at the University of Minnesota's Kaufman Union to enjoy a meal designed by Sean Sherman of the Oglala Lakota tribe and executed by Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe. Informed by the sous chef's mission to re-identify what is recognized as North American food, the dinner will feature indigenous foods and ingredients native to this region. Expect fruit, vegetables, meat, foraged ingredients, and no sugar, wheat, or dairy. Seward Community Co-op is owned by their shoppers who are members of the community. Not an owner? Become one today by visiting customer service at the co-op. Benefits of ownership include exclusive deals, discounted classes, and 10% off your purchase once per quarter. All owners are invited to attend the annual Owner Meeting Dinner. Tickets are $5 in advance and $15 at the door. Visit seward.coop to purchase your tickets for this exciting dinner now. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, and today we are playing uh, uh, clips from the Governor's Forum, which was held at the Minnesota Farmers Union on Thursday, October 25th. Several groups participated in that, including the Hmong American Farmers Association, the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy, Hunger Solutions Minnesota, the Minnesota Farmers Union, the National Young Farmers Coalition, and the Minnesota Food Charter Network. So we're listening to tapes from the forum. Um, you're listening to Congressman Tim Walls, also the, his federal fellow gubernatorial candidate was invited but his schedule did not allow will generate jobs will generate revenue will generate growth in our local communities right back to them again so i think we need to be very deliberate on how we target i think we need to keep in mind that farming even on a small scale is is a it's pretty expensive on the front end mainly because of the land rent or the land ownership piece of that and it's that access to capital because i think the innovation like you're talking about they'll, they'll figure that piece of it out but there's going to have to be some help on the front end and then again partnering with the organizations. That's why I was so excited about the beginning farmer and rancher legislation, the farm beginning education piece of this. We funded so that was in organizations. That should be your organization doing that work and that money should flow through from the state. It doesn't need to be the Department of Agriculture in the state of Minnesota leading those programs. It needs to be them administering the programs so that you can lead the programs and make it happen. My name is Jessica Webster. I'm a staff attorney with Legal Aid, and I work in close partnership with Hunger Solutions Minnesota and Clean Moriarty. And we've worked for a long time on uh, school lunch issues and lunch shaming. And in the last year, there have been several incidents of lunch shaming, including um, an incident in Stewartville where, where hundreds of lunches were dumped in the trash publicly in front of children. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about what steps can we take as a state to make sure that kids aren't stigmatized when they're hungry in school and second would you support universal free breakfast to make sure that kids start the day with healthy food i'll take the last one first yes of course and uh extending it through that was the easy one i'm going to take a point of personal privilege to thank legal aid of all the horrific things i witness in congress the thing that happens every year is when my colleagues and i know you're a, a, a c3 um but it is specifically folks on the other side of the aisle who vote every year to zero out legal aid. And, and I want to be very clear about this. If you believe in this democracy and you believe in equality in front of the law and you zero out legal aid, you do not believe in those things. So I'm grateful that you're here. Um, and I want to, again, as a point of uh, a personal to some of you who don't know me, I supervised the high school lunchroom for 20 years. Um, <laughs> That is, that is to show you that I have uh, great resiliency. I'm an eternal optimist. I'm a survivor. No. Uh, it's more important to that because the thought of this, and, and the thing is, is when I hear these uh, absolutely unacceptable situations, the one thing I can tell you is I have personally witnessed from myself and my colleagues around pulling money out to fill up lunch accounts. Uh, the teachers do that on a daily basis. Um, and once again, they shouldn't have to do it, but they will. Absolutely. And, and let's, this is again the job of governor and those of you teachers in the room and things, this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. If my kid comes to school to my geography classroom and slept in a car the night before, they don't care about geography. If they come to Hungary, they don't care about geography. If they come with a toothache, they don't care about geography. We need to start seeing kids holistically, not in pieces. And we need to start understanding that the investments we make on the front end save us money on the back end. I, I witnessed, and this is stunning on how we have a different view of the world in these campaigns. The situation in overcrowding, and it's not going to come up here today, but it should in other forms of, of mass incarceration and, and 
prison reform and what we need to do. Well, we need more prison guards. Imagine that. We're locking everybody up for different things, but we need more prison guards. And, and the suggestion that came during this uh, this gubernatorial campaign was we needed to take that money out of the education budget or health and human services. People end up in Stillwater because we're not funding health and human services and, and education. So on this piece of, of the, the, the social justice piece and the food piece, um, we've seen this and when it happens, and we need to be much deeper than this, and, you're, and I appreciate it, and the answer is yes on, uh, on the breakfast, but this runs much deeper than that. We're, we're really talking about instituting that model of full-service community schools where, where the parents are eating too at the schools, where we have the clinics inside the schools, where we have home placements and uh, job opportunities. Uh, in Duluth, something that they said was very dramatic, and they started to see scores go up for some of their students. Um, they got a donation that allowed them to buy an industrial washing machine so that they could make sure kids weren't being bullied because they didn't have access to clean their clothes. Uh, those are thinking long-term and holistically, and this, this food security piece is, is absolutely critical. And, and I will go back again, uh, Washington Magnet School in St. Paul, 90% students of color, 90% free and reduced lunch, 90% graduation rates, many of them in the STEM areas. The, these kids are capable of it when we invest in it. and. Uh, we're being very deliberate about this. My running mate, Peggy Flanagan, is is a living example of when we invest, we get it all back. Peggy talks about being the kid at school with a different colored lunch ticket. And she oftentimes talks about when people at the Capitol talk about those people. She said, well, guess what? I am those people, and I'm holding the door open for other of those people. Um, those are our neighbors. These are smart. Our commitment to making this happen, again, especially in an area, and this will probably dovetail into some of the issues we're talking about from farm to school. Um, there's absolutely no reason in this nation that any kid goes hungry, that any person goes hungry. Uh, we can be deliberate about it. We can create markets that are opened up and we can make student achievement go up. We can reduce incarceration rates. Um, this is a philosophy, again, we don't just describe to it because they could be nice. It works. It works when we do things right. And this piece on hunger, um, I'm certainly applaud all of you. We'll support those things that make that happen. Thank you. Um, I'm Erin McKee. I'm the Community Food Systems uh, Program Director for the Institute of Agriculture and Trade Policy. And I am excited to talk to you about Farm to School and Early Care Initiatives. So we know that they're happening um, across the state. They're happening in communities in small rural elementary schools. They're happening in tribal Head Start programs, big early care centers, and large urban K-12 school districts as well. And we know that these programs are really good for the kids that participate in them. So they're more willing to try new foods. Studies show that they eat more servings of fruits and vegetables. It actually helps them develop healthy eating habits when they're young, and those habits can carry forward for the rest of their lives and influence, um, reduce their rates of obesity and diet-related disease. Um, it also increases their understanding of food systems and their connection to their communities and where that food comes from. Um, we also know that these programs are really good for farmers, so I'm really excited to hear about you talking about the investment that goes back into communities, because we know that the latest survey, um, the USDA Farm to School Census showed that in Minnesota, we were spending over $12 million on local foods, including not just fruits and vegetables, but also meats, dairy, grain products from local farmers and producers. And there have been studies that show that for every dollar that is spent on those farm to school foods, it actually can generate up to an additional $2.16 of local economic activity. There have been a lot of other states that have actually invested additional money from the state level to those schools and early cares who are purchasing from local farmers. Um, I would love to see that happen in Minnesota. It's happened other places. And we also have heard from farmers that we would like more support um, with positions and extension that could support them in kind of navigating the system of how you sell to institutions. So. Why share your, this is where Minnesota should lead. I mean, it makes such good sense. I think this is another case of generationally, our, our younger parents are expecting this. Our millennial parents are expecting that. Uh, I heard somebody tell me they want their food to talk to them. We want to know where it comes from. We want to know who grow it. We want to know where it's at. And, and I said, I love that idea because all of the things you talked about, not just the healthy side of it, but the connection to where the food comes from, then the importance of soil preservation, soil health, and then water, and all of the connections that we're trying to get to. Uh, the thing about this again that just boggles my mind, and it's that 20 years in that in that uh, that uh, lunchroom, that cafeteria, is is to watch how it was a model that that seemed to serve convenience more so that we we don't even have 
cooking preparation anymore. We have warmers for the chicken nuggets and the pizzas, uh, and that's what was continuously just cranked out. It was easier. It was cost efficient. Federal government started reducing the money, so the food service people, and this is the one that always would just baffle me and break my heart. I was a strong supporter of First Lady Obama's initiative on healthy student school lunches, mainly because I was doing it simultaneously with health care because I just have to share something that I think all of you know. As childhood obesity rates go up and, and we remove uh, activities from schools, we now have two states in Kentucky and West Virginia that childhood obesity rates are above 40%. So I just want to be clear, we will never pay for health care at that rate. Between heart disease and diabetes, it will be endless. So when we initiated that, the smart idea of doing that, but the pushback was this is a nanny state and a government takeover. Now I'm thinking to myself, when I taught fourth grade, I would never allow my fourth graders to cross a busy street against a lighter without some supervision. Why would I feed them chicken nuggets every single day? And I said, I just want to be clear. Um, I'm not above eating food that might not be the healthiest. Just look at me. You can see that happens. And, uh, but, but it's not that that, especially with kids, about not having that environment to learn early about good choices and good selections have lifelong implications for them in all seriousness, and many of them don't have access to that. Um, it, it's this, uh, this whole idea of limiting, and I remember what a breakthrough it was, and it was many of you in here advocated for it, when we could use... Uh, EBD card at uh, at farmers markets where we could finally get it. Like, wow, what an amazing thing that we're not going to dictate to you and have a bunch of processed things in there and there's a list and then we're going to put a little different color on it so we shame you when you buy it rather than going out there and creating. Our agricultural producers know that food programs like like snack. This is Food Freedom Radio and you're listening to clips from the Governor's Forum, which was held um, on Thursday, October 25th. How long will you live? I'm John Peterson of Ferndale Market, and I'm the third generation to grow turkeys on our family farm in Cannon Falls. We've grown them the same way since 1939, free range and without antibiotics. We're proud of the way our turkey tastes naturally, so we don't add a thing, just 100% pure turkey. Reserve your free range Thanksgiving turkey today for pickup at our store right on the farm in scenic Cannon Falls or at one of our Metro retail partners. Visit us at ferndalemarket.com for more information or to reserve your turkey today. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shambot from Shambot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. We always offer a free exam and x-rays for new patients because we believe you shouldn't have to pay to find out what's wrong with your teeth. Call today. We're open early and late and Saturdays to fit your schedule. As my daughter Rachel says, If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of the Minnesota Healthcare Show, your resource for all your health care and caregiver questions, inviting you to listen to our live show airing on Saturdays from noon to one. On my next show, I'll be talking with Brad Johnson, owner of Oasis Senior Advisors, an organization helping seniors and families transition from independent living to assisted living alternatives. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Healthcare Show. Join Seward Community Co-op for their annual owner meeting, featuring a dinner and presentation by Sean Sherman of the Sioux Chef, who works to make indigenous foods more accessible. Attend this year's annual owner meeting Tuesday, October 30th at the University of Minnesota's Kaufman Union to enjoy a meal designed by Sean Sherman of the Oglala Lakota Tribe and executed by Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe. Informed by the sous chef's mission to re-identify what is recognized as North American food, the dinner will feature indigenous foods and ingredients native to this region. Expect fruit, vegetables, meat, foraged ingredients, and no sugar, wheat, or dairy. Seward Community Co-op is owned by their shoppers who are members of the community. Not an owner? Become one today by visiting customer service at the co-op. Benefits of ownership include exclusive deals, discounted classes, and 10% off your purchase once per quarter. All owners are invited to attend the annual Owner Meeting Dinner. Tickets are $5 in advance and $15 at the door. Visit seward.coop to purchase your tickets for this exciting dinner now. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Hawes. Saturday, mostly cloudy with a high near 55. Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 51. And Monday, mostly sunny with a high near 54. Litton's party value has moved one mile north. Getting to Litton's party value is easy. Just Google 913 Plymouth Avenue North. Shop their haunting Halloween and fabulous fall sections. Yes, free parking. Or shop online at partyvalue.com. 
uh, to give them some of that access. Uh, with that being said, I am absolutely uh, reject the notion that this nation spends twice as much as any other country and gets half the results in our health care. Um, most of that money goes to people who aren't providing healthcare, they're providing paperwork and insurance and other things that do it. So the first thing we'll do to make sure that they get that is, is that you can't be guaranteed. And let's, again, if anybody says they want to repeal and go back to before the ACA, that means that everyone who has a pre-existing condition is discriminated on. And, and if anybody wants to come on TV and run an ad and say that's not true, they are lying. That is called lying. Um, I don't say that very often, but it is lying. You are not going to get health care if we go back before that if you have a pre-existing condition. I think that is both morally reprehensible and I think it's economically stupid. So I think one of the first things we can do, especially with young people, is make sure they have access to Minnesota care either because of not having the adequate um, uh, income to get on or even if it's a little too high to get them on. Then I think we need to have an honest conversation in this state about what are the drivers of health care on the first place. I would say that this panel that was right up here in the questions they asked are doing more to reduce health care costs than any other conversation we've had in the last 10 years. It starts with food, it starts with activity, it starts with ways that we approach wellness much more holistically. Uh, that's why we talk about full service community schools, about getting a well-rounded person, a healthy person, one that can go forward. And so, um, as far as getting them on the land, give them accessibility to affordable care, and we've said it, if, if you show me another way 14 of the top 16 industrialized nations in the world who have better outcomes than us and spend half what we have do have a single-payer system. So if you want to demonize that or whatever, but here's the thing, the system that they're advocating for is broken, doesn't work, is super expensive and discriminates against people. The single-payer systems that are operating out there do tend to keep costs down. And again, I, I saw the other day, uh, my opponent brought in uh, a doctor from Canada to tell us it doesn't work. Well, I've got a cousin in Calgary who says it's fine. Does that count? You know, it's, you're, going back, you're going back and forth. We need to use science behind it. We need to make sure you have access to it. And uh, and I think this is one of the things that are keeping people off uh, out of farming. And I, this economic growth of this, again, tying health care to your employment, I really think is stopping an explosion in economic growth that if you had the capacity to leave your job and your insurance was portable with you and affordable, I think people would branch out and try different things. I think there's a lot of people staying in current employment because of that, and who can blame them? Hi, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and today we are playing clips from the Governor's Forum, which was held at the Minnesota Farmers Union on Thursday, October 25th. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coop. I'm Connie Bjork, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. Join us next Saturday as we talk about our beliefs, conscious and unconscious, beliefs that we've accepted to be true even though they are not founded in reality, and how the ones we aren't aware of are affecting our life today. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. AM 950 listeners, we have a home cleaning company with an offer just for you. They're Blue Sky Services. Blue Sky Services will wash your windows, siding, gutters, clean those black streaks off your roof, and much more. Window washing starts at $100. Siding cleaning starts at $199. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484 to ask for the AM 950 special. If you hear this, you have an exclusive house cleaning offer for AM 950 listeners. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484. That's 651-447-4484. Native Earth Radio is proud to announce we're adding an extra hour. One hour's too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. Great. More time for me to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national native news with reporters all around the country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and streaming live on Facebook. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. 
Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie, and sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline, and today we are playing clips from the Governor's Forum, which was held at the Minnesota Farmers Union on Thursday, October 25th. Congressman Tim Walz attended, and fellow gubernatorial candidate and commissioner Jeff Johnson was invited to the discussion, but a schedule did not allow. The forum was presented by the Hmong American Farmers Association, the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy, Hunger Solutions Minnesota, Minnesota Farmers Union, National Young Farmers Coalition, and the Minnesota Food Charter less than 60 years of topsoil left. So what are you, what could you do or how are you going to incentivize, incentivize farmers to build uh, topsoil fertility? <coughs> Here's a good news story. In this farm bill, and I think it's going to get through the Senate one, uh, the Healthy Soils Act that we wrote, uh, that came out of work with the former chairman of the Agriculture Committee, Frank Lucas, a Republican from Oklahoma who believes in science. Um, he believes what we can do, it, it comes from the uh, Oklahoma State University, that there's things that we have to do to make sure that we are uh, incentivizing, that we are not, again, it's our most, one of our largest uh, exports by volume is our topsoil. That's not a good thing. And it, the reduction of that of trying to get it back. It's going to be a combination of making sure that we're using best practices. It's a combination of working hand in hand with the producers to make sure that they have the resources and the, the capacity to deliver. It's going to be innovation on how we use technology. I was uh, over at a company, I think it's called Centera. They're a drone company, but where they make their real bang for the buck is they have proprietary sensor data that uses four or five cameras that go in a, a huge spectrum of light. You can program those things in now where it will fly over a field and it will pick out a weed in the field. It can find the weed amongst them by flying the drone over that in a very short amount of time. It sends that data back to the tractor that then programs in GPS and goes out and sprays a weed or picks a weed. And one of the things is, is technology as farming practices, sustainability of cover crops, the things that we already know. Many of these practices on sustainability of topsoil actually go back to the beginning of farming when we were much more thoughtful about it in crop rotations. We were much more thoughtful in, in uh, cover crops. So we know that things have been being done for thousands of years that have worked. We can do that, but we can use the technology to also help. The biggest thing is that I, the, the good news story in this is um, there's pretty good consensus on this that, that something has to be done. The advent of the Soils Act, the Healthy Soils Act, into the Farm Bill in a bipartisan manner is pretty stunning that, that it does incentivize and, and does the right thing. Congressman, I actually think we have one more question. Right. Is that okay? Sure. So, our public institutions spend millions of dollars on food every year. Um, and what we, what could you, what could our public institutions do to offer more contracts or more opportunities for local farmers and food entrepreneurs, whether it's in the schools, in the county level, the city level, the jails, etc. What could they do? Yeah, I hear this all the time that it's very difficult for small and minority contractors to get uh, state business. That there's they they put roadblocks in place. You know, it's just easier to contract on large scale because there's more work to it if you're trying to do subcontracts. We have to make an effort to do that. We, uh, we have to make sure that those very, we have to be the example of what we want. Some of the initiatives we have on uh, very, very aggressive carbon reductions for state government, uh, we need to lead by example. If we really are trying to get to, uh, to zero emissions, uh, the state needs to lead in that. And I think the same thing, if we truly believe that we want to move to local foods, then whether it be our corrections, our schools, or others, should be trying to do that. And I think that's something I'd really look forward to working with you on. The, the other thing is, and this has been a very interesting, last year before the Farm Bill, we had uh, 26 hearings or something. It was very short. They did it that way. 22 of them were on SNAP. 
no one in there actually gave suggestions to eliminate it or reduce it like they did, even though they wrote that into the bill, but they were used as, just to be very honest with you, beat up on people who are struggling economically. That's And we always started those meetings with a prayer that the irony of that was really something. Um, <laughs> and I will have to say this is, uh, Colin Peterson did a very uh, Minnesota thing. He said, we pray in church in uh, Minnesota, and here we get to work on helping people. Um, and it was, was pretty powerful. Uh, but the one thing that we started to, that came out of this conversation was food waste and, uh, and how we talk about food labeling, how we talk about long-term sustainability on that, that again, as a nation, let's be very clear. There is enough food in this country to feed all of us in a big chunk of the world. It's getting it to the people that matter. It's making sure that it's closer to home that it matters. I heard some of you say when you go to the grocery store, 90% of you know what you're buying is, is being moved over 500 miles. Uh, that's adding to greenhouse gas emissions. That's adding to all the things that go with it. So I think the state, you know, be the change you want to see in the world mantra. The state needs to partner and, and make the effort to make sure that's happening. And, the, and that gives a lot of opportunities. If you can get a contract to provide yeah. fresh fruits and vegetables to the Stillwater Prison, that, that's a nice contract to have. And I, I did a little thing at, this, at the state fair where I were almost some of our local producers. That, that was the best thing, by the way. They do the, the food court thing there and, and, and did a conversation. And the gentleman who has the contract for the sweet corn, um, Man, what a gig. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw you there, so I thought it was, <laughs> was my backhanded edit, So, But I said how wonderful it was, and I said listening to that and seeing that and seeing the opportunity and hearing the humbleness but the thought that, you know what, we are really proud to have this. We're proud of the product. We're happy, proud of the state fair. I mean, why would that not be? Why would you not be able to provide all of the sweet corn to the Stillwater prison and, 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 and some of the other things that in Minnesota can do so great well we're at the end um, we're at the end of our forum and um, before I give the congressman some opportunity just to say some last words I just want to recognize today is October 25th um, and it's a day where we lost a great senator who cared deeply about uh, poor people and immigrants and farmers and he always said uh, we all do better when we all do better and so um, congressman Walls, I was wondering if you could just reflect on some of the things you've heard and some of the questions and just give us some final remarks before I, I know you have to leave yeah well thank you all and uh, and I think it is appropriate that, that we're on this day and I uh, this morning as I was saying I pulled up a picture from the Pioneer Press that uh, that I sent to Dave Wellstone this morning as we're dear friends and, and reflected on this and uh, this forum was set up a long time ago and for us to be here and I know so many in this room had the intersection with with Senator Wellstone and I just came from a children's health care forum that the Children's Defense Fund in their annual letter and data on children starts out with the, the all we all do better when we all do better quote by, by Senator Wellstone so uh, it's no mistake I think the universe lines things for a reason over the last two hours this intersection on community of investing in our children of strength of local co-ops and local economic clout outside of the channels of uh, of large multinationals, if you will, not as a pejorative, but as another opportunity, as a way of strengthening that is critically important. Uh, I have known for many years the organizations that work in here, Farmers Union and others, uh, have been coming to D.C. and working hand in hand as we write pieces of legislation. I think what I would tell you is that, uh, again, should, uh, should we be given the privilege of doing this job of governor, what will be different about this is, and I think what I'm deeply committed to is, is building these co-governing relationships where there is a sense of input from folks that is real, that they're there on the decision-making on the front end to get things done, that starts to have people once again believe that we can be and make that change we want to see. Um, and I think that's what many of you have been doing. I, it, it's appropriate probably on this day, and Senator Wellstone's uh, legacy is that we're still charging on on this. We're still trying to make it work. I. I have my daughter, a 17-year-old here, and I got a 12-year-old. Um, I'm telling people, get out there and vote for your future. Get out there and vote for things that happen. Um, I do think that uh, the crisis of the democracy you're seeing over the last several weeks and certainly the last couple days, um, but the crisis of our climate is real. We're going to have to adjust. Science is real. They're telling us this. The window is closing. A lot of the solutions set in this room, a lot of the solutions start with that most basic of human activities 
growing food and feeding ourselves. Uh, the next one is, is, is making sure you have more adequate and clean water. They go hand in hand. Making sure you have safe communities where people can live out the lives they want to. All of those things are interconnected. So if we've learned anything, and uh, my partner in justice, Peggy Flanagan, always reminds me, people and children do not come in pieces, do not approach these problems in a silo, approach them holistically. And I think that's what we would like to do uh, with the folks in this room. We see this as a partnership. I don't come to you, as you said, and I appreciate you saying so. Uh, I don't claim to have the answers. But what I do know is, is in elected government, the capacity to be able to align resources and move things is immense. And if we take that and seize upon it, and, and I would just close with if this journey that I've been on and the privilege of, uh, of seeing, if I'd have lived to be 300 years old, I would have never seen Minnesota the way I've seen it, inside living rooms, in basements, on farms, in factories. Uh, it's, it's, it showed me how deeply optimistic people still are. It's showing me how the potential to solve this is there. But I'll have to tell you this, that what it's taught me and probably moved me, because again, I'm very clear about this. Uh, I oftentimes talk about it when you're a, when you're a white man in middle America, you tend to just land on your feet a lot. Somehow that's amazing how that works. Um, what I've learned is, is the sense of urgency for folks that's out there and the fierce sense of now to change these things is real. And that there's a responsibility to take that landing on your feet or the things that come with that and turn that into action to change things, to turn that into a sense of urgent action. And I think right now in a broken political system, People are hungry for that. The thing that I hear most to me in this is, wow, thank you for being optimistic and you know just not negative. I'm like, man, the bar has sure dropped. <laughs> doing that. But it is fundamental to how we get things done. So uh, I am very hopeful on that. I, I oftentimes do say after this journey of the last two years, uh, my pro tip of the day for you is, if you ever get a bad health diagnosis and have six months to live, run a statewide campaign that'll feel like 10 years. <laughs> so, thank you all for having me. So, yeah, just keep your love life burning. I mean, it was such a fantastic forum. The people in the room were all motivated to create a better world for all and a better world for the future. And uh, really encourage everyone to just get out and do what you can. Keep our love light burning. Um, so that was the Governor's Forum at the Minnesota Farmers Union. Um, several organizations participated, including the American Hmong Farmers Association, Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy, Hunger Solutions Minnesota, Minnesota Farmers Union, National Young Farmers Coalition, and the Minnesota Food Charter. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Hey, we've got some really fun upcoming shows for you. On Saturday, November 3rd, Brian uh, with the Land Stewardship Project is going to be talking about his new book, Wildly Successful Farming. So farming that's wild and successful. Ooh. And uh, on December 1st, we've got Laurie Hill Meats, and they're going to be talking about getting meat directly from small local farms. December 8th, we'll have the first meeting of Regenerate the Metro here on Food Freedom Radio. We're going to have, we're going to be meeting and we're going to talk about how do we regenerate the whole darn system. And on December 15th, Terry Jan uh, Gibbs with the Alliance for Sustainability will be talking about sustainable eating. So you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.